Well, if you have ever faced uh, a difficult time, and I know that's a, not a hard saying now that we're all in the middle of this, but if you've ever gone through something and you just knew that God could do something about it, and you just knew that, that by your understanding of the character of God that, that he should do something about it, and yet he wasn't doing anything. And you were confused by that. And, and, it, and it kind of uh, made you question. If you've ever gone through that, and I think we all have, then you are right with uh, the person that we have been talking about uh, for the last uh, few weeks, uh, whose name is Habakkuk. And Habakkuk, again, uh, just to remind you, was a, a prophet uh, who wrote uh, and uh, ministered about 600 BC um, and uh, one of what we call the minor prophets in, in the Bible. And, and yet Habakkuk was a little bit different uh, in that not only did he bring uh, God's message to his people, but Habakkuk brought God's people's message to him. In other words, he was not afraid to say, hey, wait a second, God, let me tell you what we're thinking. We're questioning him, where are you? And uh, we want to know what is going on here. And so Habakkuk um, was uh, the prophet that cried out to God, um, uh, God, where are you? And then when God answered him, he was not afraid to say, wait, 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 God, that's your answer? Well, that's not fair. You know, that does not solve our problem. I mean, I, I'm glad that you're responding, but this is not the response that we wanted. And, and so he questioned God. In fact, his name, Habakkuk, uh, means to embrace or to wrestle with God. Uh, it means to grapple, to, to take hold of. And, and so we have been looking at this need for us to Habakkuk. We need uh, to grab hold of God. Uh, in times uh, where there is a crisis, in times where we uh, may question uh, God, uh, our response needs to be, um, God, what's going on? We need to not ignore it. We need to not run away from it, but we need to address it. We need to wrestle with God. There is actually a purpose in wrestling God. We need to not be afraid. Some of us, oh, I don't want to ever say that to God. What, you know, how would he respond? Don't be afraid to question God. We, there is growth in the questioning. And we talked about this, that there are three different ways that we can go when we, when we face these crises. Uh, when we face times in our life when there is just a deep emptiness in our soul, uh, when life doesn't make sense, uh, when we are struggling with the bitterness of what has happened to us, uh, with the unfairness of that, um, many people, first of all, uh, if they, especially if they've been Christians, they go the religious route where I'm just going to claim the name of Jesus. This is not going to happen, and I am not destined for this. And, and so they hide behind a religious denial, um, and, and that's what they're doing. Um, they're not letting it impact them. They're not letting it work on them. They are just uh, going to continue uh, to treat it as if that's not the, the case. And yet many times people, I'm sorry, just as Christians does not mean 
um, uh, that you're not going to face that. And I know we use the term that we are overcomers. Yes, we are overcomers, but that does not always mean in the physical sense of this life, because this life is not the main focus of God. He's only using this life to prepare us for the real life to come. And so we might be overcomers, but that may mean that we overcome like Jesus did on a cross. Um, and, and so we need to be very careful how we use those terms. And, and, and so that is not a productive way to respond. The third, the second way that we respond is many times we just say, well, God, if that's how you're going to do that, I don't want any part of it. Um, I don't like what you're doing. Um, I, I think this should happen in my life. And we get so bitter that we just walk away from God. Um, and uh, we get angry. And uh, instead of wrestling with God, instead of taking hold of him and, and saying, I want to know your heart, why this is happening, we get so selfish and self-centered that we didn't like what we got, uh, that we are like a little child who stomps his feet and goes stands in the corner and will not even address it. Neither one of those responses are uh, uh, productive. And so we've seen the third response is to Habakkuk. We want to be people that respond by Habakkuking, um, grabbing hold of God, wrestling with God. Yes, we have questions. Yes, we have crisis and doubts, but I'm not going to deal with it by running to either side. I'm going to run to God because God has a purpose and a plan, and I wrestle with him. Um, so we have uh, uh, looked at the main purpose of this, which is shown um, in James. And this verse in James basically uh, really summarizes what we've been looking at in Habakkuk. It says in James chapter 1, it says, Consider it pure joy, my brothers, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know the testing of your faith develops perseverance, and pers perseverance must finish its work so that you may be mature, complete, without lacking anything. You see, sometimes that's why God brings the things that are not fair because it takes the unfair things to complete the work within us. God does not want spoiled children. He wants mature children not lacking anything. So that means we may not get what we want because maturity is not having comfort the way we want it. Maturity it is developing a sense of purpose and meaning and a place in life um, that goes beyond uh, uh, what we feel and see and experience. It's that grounding. It's that thing that gives you an anchor. It gives you a foundation. And that's what God desires. So we're going to look at chapter 3. Um, now we've gone through chapter 1, which was this picture of Wondering. Uh, we need to come to God and wonder, God, what's going on? Question God, cry out to God. In chapter two, we saw that God brought us to this place where we entered into waiting, uh, that God responds, that, that we listen. We need to come to a place of listening and, and then understanding that God does have a purpose. So wait for it. Believe that God's faithfulness is going to happen, but there's a waiting process and waiting is hard. But when we begin to wonder and then we begin to wait, God will bring us to that chapter three place of worship. Um, God wants to bring us to this place of worship, a new area of worship, where worship is not just based on a feel-good 
experience that is easy to produce when everything is going right, but a deep worship, a worship that really means something at the core of our being. And so we're going to look in chapter 3 about how this worship comes about. And chapter 3 is a song. Um, when we think of worship, we think of songs. And so Habakkuk comes to chapter 3 where he just uh, breaks out in this song of worship. So how did Habakkuk come to this place of worship? Um, uh, we see, let's pick it up in verse 1, Habakkuk 3, verse 1. He says this, a prayer of Habakkuk the prophet um, on Shingionah. Now that that strange word there. Most people believe that it is simply a musical note uh, that set it uh, to the setting of how they played that. We don't really know. Um, it, it's one of those terms that is lost in, in uh, antiquity, but, but uh, most believe that it is a literary or a musical note of, of how this is to be played. So this is a song, a prayer of Habakkuk. And let's look at verse 2. Look what he says. He says, O Lord, I have heard your speech. In other translations, it says, I have heard of your fame. I have heard of your deeds, of all that you have done. I've heard all about you. And I was afraid. In other words, it says, and I have stand in awe of all that you've done. Um, I've heard all about what you've done in the past. I've heard uh, about who you are. And I stand in awe of what you've done. But look what he says. Oh Lord, revive your work in the midst of the years. In the midst of the years, make it known. In other words, in our day, I've heard about what you did, but I want to see it myself. God, I've heard about it and I stand in awe of you. Now let me see you. Let me experience you. You see, this is, this is the heart of worship. God, I just want to see you. I want to see you work um, I just want to have you with me now, not something uh, that I've heard about, but that would be personal. He says, in wrath, remember mercy. So this is the heart of worship that Habakkuk cries out, God, I want you. I want to experience you. I don't want it to be my parents Worship. I don't want it to be my pastor's worship. I don't want it to be my neighbor's worship. I want to know you in the midst of all these crises, in the midst of my doubts, in the midst of my questions. God, just make yourself known to me. Uh, let me worship you. I will worship you because you deserve it. Not because you will do what I want you to do, but I want to see you. Um, so, that is his cry of worship. And then he goes into um, uh, this uh, prayer of how he came to that knowledge. And so we're going to see three things in the rest of this song, three things that we can do to produce that same worship within us. Uh, because that worship uh, does not come from emotions. Um, emotions are definitely part of it. And God will bring us those emotions. And he desires us to worship him in emotions. But that's not the source of it. Um, uh, and, and so we see three things that we need to consciously and purposely do to enter into worship. Um, the first thing 
is we must remember what God has done. The first thing that Habakkuk does is he goes on a journey of remembering. Um, and, and this is important because the foundation of, of our worship is based on who God is. Um, it's not based on what we think or what we want. Um, and so we need to have a knowledge of who God is. And there is a history. God has shown himself. God never expects blind faith. It is always faith based on a history because God has always been willing to step out and prove himself. Uh, he, he tells us, taste and see if I am not good. Try me and see if I will not do this. Um, uh, he never expects us to, to go without um, uh, any kind of evidence that God has given us. And, and so we see that he goes through uh, the stories uh, of what God has done. And, you know, there's a lot of things that bring things to remembrance. You know, sometimes it's a smell. Have you ever had times where you just smell something and, man, that just brings you back uh, to, to an experience that you had, good or bad? Um, uh, uh, I know that uh, uh, there was um, a, a perfume that Michelle wore when we were first dating. I don't even think it's out. And it was just uh, probably, you know, one of those things that teenager, it very, it reminds me of what they have now, that, that spray stuff, because it was a spray. Um, and, and whenever I smell that, it brings back to that early time. Now I don't smell anymore because they probably don't even have it. But I remember even when we were dating, uh, that that would bring me back. Those smells uh, would bring you back. Maybe a smell of cookies uh, or, or pie reminds you of grandma's house or, or that the smell of uh, many times those I've heard that have moved away uh, from the Imperial Valley and they come back and they smell that, that alfalfa or the cut uh, 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 crops and it immediately brings them back to, to the time they've spent here in the Imperial Valley. Um, smells can do that. You know, sometimes songs can do that. That's a big one. You hear a song uh, that plays and man, it just brings you back to, to something that was happening when you were younger. It connects you. There, there's that nostalgia. Uh, sometimes it's a picture. You know, you're going through the albums and you love just looking at the old pictures because they bring things back. And so this is what Habakkuk is doing. He, he's, he's purposely remembering what God has done. Um, and, and we all need to do this. We need to recount the things. We need to count our blessings. We need to remember even the hard times. Um, and it could be a major time when God saw you through something, um, when God answered a prayer, um, when uh, God did something that was unexpected, or maybe it's just something small. Maybe you're reading your Bible and you read a verse and you remember when God spoke to you. Uh, and you need to remember those times. Maybe it wasn't even with you. Maybe it was uh, you remember what he's done for a family member. Maybe you remember what he has done for someone in the church. Um, you might say, well, I don't have anything to remember. Then remember what he's done for those in the word of God. As you read the word and you read what he did for Moses and for Joshua and, and for the disciples, you remember what God did and let that be a remembrance. You see, he says in, in, in verse 3, he said, God came from Timon, the Holy One, from Mount Paran. His glory covered the heavens and the earth was full of his praise. His brightness was like light 
He had rays flashing from his hand, and there was power, and his power was hidden. Before him went pestilence, and plague and fever followed at his feet. You see, he's remembering what God did to bring his children out of Egypt when God showed his power to set his people free. And I'm going to tell you, maybe you don't feel like anything that God is doing anything for you now. Here's where worship starts. But I will choose to worship you, God. Maybe you're not doing anything now, but I know you've done it in the past. And so I'm going to just choose to praise you for what you did. And I'm going to remember what you did, even in the dryness of my heart. You see, that's the beginning. When you just, by an act of will, begin to remember what God has done for you, it begins to warm things up. It begins to break loose uh, the hardness within you. Um, God, and if you will pray, God, bring to mind. You know what? He'll begin to speak to you. He'll show you things to, rem to remind you. God wants to remind us today. Uh, after service, we are taking communion. Jesus himself said, when you do this, do it to remember what I did for you. That's the greatest remembrance that we can do is remember what Jesus did for you. Um, and, and as we take communion, as we hold the bread and drink the cup, those things need to remind us of that night when Jesus gave of everything he had for us. See, let the remembrance of God uh, begin to... Uh, uh, break up the hard areas in our life. He remembered by just looking at nature. If you go on and read uh, verses 7 uh, through 15, uh, we see that he just looks at nature and he remembers the power of God. He sees the power of God uh, in, in the stars and, and in the sun and, and in the uh, uh, glory of th those things around us. But we need to begin to purposely begin to look for the presence of God and what he has done uh, for us. But then it brings us to the second thing that he did. And we see this in verse 16. In verse 16, uh, Habakkuk says, When I heard, my body trembled. My lips quivered at the voice. Rottenness entered my bones, and I trembled in myself. My legs began to shake, that I may rest in the day of trouble. When he comes up to the people, he will invade them with his troops. You know what he's saying? He's saying, I've got to, it's great to remember what God did, but I've got to accept what God is doing. I remember what God did, but I need to deal with what God is doing. And so therefore he says, you know what? When I see what you're doing, God, it, it hits me uh, to where I begin to tremble. You know what? It's not a pleasurable thing what was going on. But yet look what he says. He says, I begin to tremble. I begin to uh, shake when I think of what you're doing. But I do this that I may rest in the day of trouble. In other words, he's saying, I'm not going to just ignore what's going on but I'm going to let it have its work in me so that it will change me so that I may rest in the day of trouble. In other words, God, what you're doing now, there's a reason for it. And so therefore, I want it to have its effect on me. I want it to, I want to prepare for it. I'm not going to just sit there and just hope that I just make it through. 
Because, see, that's not the purpose. God is doing something because he wants to change us. He's working something in us. We need to let it have its work in us. So I need to acknowledge what God is doing. I need to acknowledge that, God, you're putting me through a hard time right now, and I'm going to face that on, straight on, uh, and I'm going to let it work in me. I, I'm, gonna, I'm going to prepare for it. Uh, if, you are, if you are bringing this on me because there is something in my life that is causing this, then I need to face that and take care of it. Or otherwise, what's the purpose? Then everything God has done has been useless. So I need to acknowledge what God is doing right now. I need to open my eyes to what he's doing. And sometimes that means trembling. That means sometimes anger at what God is doing. We may not like it. But you know what? We need to begin to look at it and address it. God, what are you doing? What's the purpose for this? Open my heart and my eyes to see. But you know what? A lot of us as Christians, what we do is we become hits Christians. Um, and let me show you what a hit Christian is. Um, uh, a hits Christian, instead of facing it, it really does not have effect in it because what it is, is their head is in the sand. So watch this video up here and hopefully you can see this. And uh, this is, let's not become a hits Christian. Hits stands for head in the sand. Too many Christians put their head in the sand where the doctor says, hey, your health's not very good. You need to make some changes. Instead of facing the truth, they just put their head in the sand. When the marriage is in trouble, their spouse says, hey, we need counseling. They go, ah, oh, it'll work out. And they put their head in the sand. Sometimes when finances are bad, people say, but I want the house. I want the house. So they buy the house on faith. And they put their head in the sand. When the storm is coming, some Christians don't prepare. They don't face the truth. They just put their head in the sand. And maybe God's saying to you, put your head out. I believe that that is the message. Many times what God is doing, what you don't like in your life, the way your life has gone, where you are at this place in time, we cannot put our head in the sand. There's a reason for it. Maybe God is trying to get us to pull our head out. Sometimes the very things that are happening are God is God saying, pull your head out. Look at what I'm trying to do in your life. Let it begin to transform you. No, it's, it's not always fun. But let's not be a Christian who just puts our head in the sand. Sometimes the head in the sand is, is behind Christian jargon. Like, I'm just going to plead the blood of Jesus over it. No, sometimes you don't need to plead the blood of Jesus over it. You need to let it have its work in your heart so that perseverance will grow. Like we read in that scripture, that it may have its work in you, that you may be mature, not lacking anything. So instead of trying to rebuke it and push it away, sometimes we need to embrace it and begin to let it maybe burn away the, the things in our life that are getting in the way. Paul wanted to do that. Paul said, God, I rebuke this sickness. I rebuke this, this thorn in the flesh. And, and in the name of Jesus, I'm covered. But you know what? That wasn't the desire of God. God said, stop doing that. He said, in fact, you need to, to, to stop telling me what to do because I'm not taking it away from you. He said, my grace is sufficient. So let's not put our head in the sand 
and, and begin to uh, fall into those things. But let's begin to say, God, what you are doing, show me. Let it, let it change me. Let me tremble before you. Uh, because God, if you're doing it, there's a purpose for it. So I'm going to acknowledge what is going on and I'm going to let God have his way in my life. Because whatever is happening in your life right now, I'm telling you, the sovereign hand of God is doing something. See, many times, how arrogant are we to think that God's not in control? If it's happening to you, then it's in the plan of God. Who are we to think that Satan has the, the ability to do anything that God does not want in our life? It's like Job. When Satan attacked Job, that was by the permission of God. If we are going through things, so many times it's by the permission of God, and we need to embrace it and accept it. And it doesn't mean that we just roll over uh, and, and play dead and, oh, woe is me. But it means that we actively get up and say, this is happening, God. So, God, I'm going to embrace it, and I'm going to say, in the name of Jesus, I am an overcomer, but I'm going to let this begin to mold me. I'm going to let this begin to break off the chaff in my life, and I'm going to, by uh, uh Faith, accept what God has brought to me, and I'm going to learn to be content in it by letting it bring me closer to God. And in no way is that giving in to the enemy. In fact, it's doing what Joseph did. It's letting what the enemy means for evil, letting it, God turn it for good. But you see, uh, it, it wasn't in the middle of the slavery or in the middle of the pit that God answered his prayer. He had to accept where he was and know that there is a long journey ahead, that our life is not a moment, but it is a journey. And my destination is in God's hands. And if my destination is in God's hand, every point along the way, I can accept those things and know that God is working in me. Well, let's move to the third thing. And I love this because this is how it ends. True worship from God starts by remembering what he did. True worship, there's nothing greater than worshiping God by saying, God, you are sovereign in my life, and I accept what is going on right now. In fact, I worship you in the middle of right now. But finally, the third thing is we trust in what God is going to do. We remembered what God did. We accept what God is doing. But we trust and we look for what God is going to do. Um, it says... In verse 17, though the fig tree may not blossom, though fruit not be on the vines, though the labor of the olive may fail and the fields yield no food, though the flock may be cut off from the fold, see that's the now time, and there be no herd in the stalls, yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will joy in the God of my salvation. See, he's saying, God, I know things are not good right now, but I'm going to rejoice in you because you're the God of my salvation. There is a future. There is a purpose. And that just gets me excited. He's saying, I worship you because I don't know what's going on. I don't know why this is happening, but you're the God of my salvation. You've made a promise and what you are going to do will come at the right time. And so we need to begin to worship him for what he is going to do, no matter how things are going in your life. You don't think it's fair right now, but I trust that God will make it all right in the future.
You know, if I never get what I think I wanted in this life, I never get the career that I always wanted. I never get that spouse that I always wanted. I never get um, uh, uh, th those things that I always wanted. That's okay. Because in the end, I'm going to get more than I ever wanted. In the end, what God is going to do is greater than anything that I miss out on now. And we need to let that worship begin to raise up within us. In the midst of the crisis, I worship because even though all these things, yet will I praise my God. Yet will I joy in the Lord my Savior. God wants to give you joy right now in the middle of the crisis. You see, when we begin to think about what he has promised, when we think about what he is planning for us, Jesus said, I'm going away to prepare a place for you. And someday I'll come and get you again. So right now, if he's not here, that's fine with me because that means there's more preparation. He's making it bigger and better. Take your time, God. Even add a little another extra room to my mansion. I'm looking forward because you are going to come back. He is faithful and I worship him in that faithfulness. He closes out with this. Verse 19, back at three. The Lord God is my strength. And he will make my feet like deer's feet. And he will make me walk on high heels. You see, here's the final thing. God, I believe you're going to give me the strength to get through this. You see, he is my strength. My strength is in not me and figuring it out. But my strength is in the fact that he's going to take me to higher heights. We need to begin to just embrace God. Take hold of him and say, God, be my strength. And when you do that, you know what? He'll take you to those higher heights. It may not be now, but that will be your destination. That is our future. But what do we need to do? We need to Habakkuk. We need to take hold of God. We need to begin to wrestle with him. Wherever you're at, let's grapple with God. Take hold of him and let's begin to worship. Worship him for what he did. Worship him for what he's doing and worship him for what he's going to do. And in that place, there is joy. And the world will see the joy that God wants to give them. Let me pray with you.